0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope that this message helps further your walk with Christ. If you would like to know more about our church and other ministries, you may find us on the web at www.sodobaptistchurch.org. All right, take your Bibles. And I want us to look at three or four different places before we begin. Uh, So if you will turn to Psalms chapter 126. Psalms chapter 126. I want us to look at a few places kind of to to set a foundation before we start talking about tears and and the effects of tears and what they bring. Psalms 126. Look in verse number 5. Psalms 126, verse number 5. I just... I cannot get away from reading scriptures. I, I remember when I was growing up, a preacher would grab the Bible and he would read one scripture and he could preach for 45 minutes and never touch the Bible again. And, and, and I'm, I'm sure that it was good preaching. I mean, I'm not criticizing that, but that's just not my style. I'd like to use as much of the Bible as I can so you don't think for one second that's Wayne Bickley's opinion. But Psalms 126 verse 5 says this, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bringeth bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now I want you to know, that has a lot of impact to that scripture right there. Talking about sowing in tears, sowing in tears. How many of you have ever had to cry in, in, in great tears because when you was raising your children, because you either had to correct them or because they were going astray? How many times have we done that? And, and I want you to know a good parent does that. And that's part of what it's talking about. Life, we have to sow sometimes in tears because a situation or a circumstance is so great that we go before the Lord in tears But he tells us right there, when you sow in tears, you reap in joy. When you go forth weeping, bearing precious seed, you will doubtlessly come again, uh, bringing in the sheaves, rejoicing. Let's look at another scripture. Let's look at Psalms 51 since we're already there. Psalms 51 verse 17. Most of us are familiar with Psalms 51. When that is mentioned, we realize that that is when David has sinned against God by killing uh, Bathsheba's husband, and he's committed adultery, and this is about a year after all of that took place. And this is David's prayer in repenting and coming back before the Lord. And, And I believe that as he was praying this, he was weeping. But notice what he says in Psalms 51 and verse 17. He says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a, and a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, that will not despise. That's what bring on. That's what brings on tears. A broken heart, a contrite heart. When you're not satisfied with what's going on around you, it brings you to tears. Now let me ask you this. What is the opposite of a broken and a contrite heart? One word, what is it? pride in Proverbs 16 just flip with me while you're there one more book over Proverbs 16 and most of us are familiar with this proverb Proverbs 16 verse 18 Proverbs 16 verse 18 I appreciate you having your Bibles with you tonight Proverbs 16 verse 18 says this, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. A haughty spirit is just the opposite of a broken and a contrite heart. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better is it to be of an humble spirit with the lowly lowly, than to be dividing the spoils with the proud. In other words, it's better to be humble with a lowly heart, or with the lowly, or the, the ones who do not have much, than it is to be uh, living it up with the rich and being with the proud. That's what it's saying there. So as we begin tonight, we've kind of laid the foundation here tonight that tears come from a broken and a contrite heart. Now, how many have, how many have ever seen where someone breaks out into great tears because they've been caught. Now, you know what I'm talking about. Every now and then, I watch this show, Cops. All right? And let me tell you, some of those people are standing there, and oh, they're just weeping, and they're crying. And it is not because they're sorry for the crime that they have just committed, but it's They're sorry and they're broken that they've just gotten caught. Not the same kind of tears. Because the tears with God are connected to the heart. That's where this is coming from. So, as we begin, turn your Bibles now into 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 20. We're going to see the results of a broken heart. A man that is brought to tears. He cries out to God for something to take place in his life. God hears his tears, he sees that, and he... I don't want to say God changes his mind, but he doesn't change his mind. I want you to know God gives a prophecy that this is going to happen, and it's kind of like a, uh, the covenant that God has. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, then... Okay, you see that promise is conditional. This is the same situation we're looking at King Hezekiah and Isaiah has come to King Hezekiah and pronounced to Hezekiah, listen, you're sick, you're on your deathbed and you will not be getting up from this bed. Alright? And it very well could have been that God has looked at Hezekiah's heart. He sees the condition of his heart and that is why he has announced that. Now look what happens. This is Second Kings chapter 20. Verse number 1, it says, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and the prophet Isaiah the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thy house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall, and he prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth, and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight, and Hezekiah wept sore. And it came to pass afar, uh, Isaiah, afar, or before Isaiah was gone out into the middle of the court, that the word of the Lord came to him saying, Turn again and tell Hezekiah the captain of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go into the house of the Lord, and I will add unto thy days 15 years, and I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Now, again, I believe that when the prophet of the Lord came to Isaiah or came to Hezekiah and said, "Listen, this is what God says is going to happen, you are not going to recover from your sickness. But what took place? It is, not, it is not that God changed His mind. That's not it at all, because the Bible says, God changeth not. What it says. God changeth not. But God in some of His covenants, especially with Israel, His covenants are conditional. If you do this, I will do this. If you do this, I'm going to do this. He says, if you start serving idols, I am going to bring people into captivity and bring you into captivity. If you pray and you repent and and you turn away from that and you seek me, then I will do this. Again, Hezekiah did have a history of serving the Lord. He did. What he was going through then, why he was sick on the bed, the Bible doesn't tell us those things. But it says that when he turned his face to the wall and he wept with tears almost immediately God says, Hezekiah has changed his heart. He's come to me with a broken and a contrite spirit. He says, Isaiah, you go back and tell him and and listen, I believe you could almost say it to this point. You go and tell him he's met his part of the covenant that he was not meeting before. Now you go tell him, now that he is being obedient now I will give him those extra years. So, Because the Bible does. The Bible tells us that God is, is a God that He doesn't change His mind. But when, when we meet the covenant, when, when we fall into the area or the covenant that God has told us to be, I want you to know God then fulfills His promise. He fulfills His promise. Tears right here, I believe, changed everything. Changed everything. Look with me in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, another incident where tears make a difference. Mark chapter 9, verse 17. This is a situation where... The disciples have gone out and they have been healing people and uh, Jesus has sent them out and gave them the power to do that. They came upon one young man that they they weren't able to heal. Verse 17, it starts off, Mark chapter 9, verse 17, it says, One of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit, and and wheresoever he taketh him... He teareth him, and he foameth, and he gnasheth with his teeth, and he pineth away. And I spoke to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth him, and he saith, O faithless generation, how long will I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him, this boy, unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tore him. And he fell on the ground, and he wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came upon him? And he said, Of a child. In other words, he said, How long has your son had this? Since he was a child, he's had this. The daddy goes on to say, And oftentimes it has cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Listen to this. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. And I, you know what? This man, I, I think every single one of us would be in the same situation. I believe this happens so many times at every hospital around the world. We take a child, especially a child, into a hospital and we hope and pray that they have a cure for our child and we are desperate people to see our children come to that that knowledge and that ability to be saved and to be rescued and to be healed and cried out with tears. I'll tell you what, especially when you see a child hurting and you can't do anything about it, it's not hard to come to tears. And basically Jesus is telling this man, he says, Listen, this is is the way that your son is going to be healed. He said, Believe. If you can only believe. And he cried out, Lord, I believe and help me in my unbelief. And I want you to know, I believe when Jesus looked at him and he recognized not only his cry, not only his prayer, but when he saw that broken heart to the point that tears came forth from that man, I want you to know it was easy to recognize that he was was very serious about his believing and also about his unbelief. Now... I don't want to leave you hanging. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, says, He rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit came, and the spirit cried, and rent him sore, and came out of him, as he was one that was dead, in so much that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, and lifted him up, and uh, I left off that last, let's see, 26. Lifted him up, and... And he arose. So we see again to the point of tears. I I want you to know, tears are an effective part of our worship. Tears are an effective part of our worship. I don't know how many times when you can tell sometimes when somebody's under conviction because they sit there and they stand. And I, I look out here and I preach, and sometimes it's just hard to preach. Because you look and you see somebody just out in the congregation just weeping. And you know that the Holy Spirit is dealing with their heart. It could be a situation or circumstance going on in their life and you've said something. I want you to know the power of the Word of God. It's not Wayne Bickley. It's the power of the Word of God is spoken into their heart, into their life. Brings them for tears because they want to see a situation changed. Either in their family or in their own personal life. I want you to know tears are an effective language with God. But again, let me say this. I I, want to make it with all sincerity. Tears that are connected to a broken and a contrite heart. I know that there's a couple of families in our community that come and, and are asking for help and they I mean they can turn the tears on in just a second and and I, I want you to know i'm I think I'm a pretty soft-hearted person and God's given me a spirit of discernment and their tears have no effect on me I, and I mean it's just be, it's because they're trying to use that language to to break down some barriers that are and, and it just doesn't work. I want you to know God is a discerner of our tears. Let's look at another one. Esther chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. Esther chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. This has come to a time if most of us, I think a lot of us in here tonight, know the story about Esther. The king has made a decree that he's given uh, permission to all of the people of that city and of that county and of that state area that he's over. He's pretty much just given them permission to... On the certain day, it was the 13th, and I can't remember what month they called it, but on this particular day, you have the king's permission to go find any Jew that lives around you, and you can take anything they own, you can kill them, you can annihilate them. If they're a Jew, on that particular day, you have our permission to do away with the Jewish nation. And it was because a man named Haman hated the Jews and he hated a man named Mordecai so he tricked the king into signing this order and this was the order that was going to take place little did the king know that his wife queen Esther was a Jew also he didn't even know that until this event when it was made clear to him that even his wife was a Jew so this is what was taking place at this time Queen Esther comes to the king. That's what's happening. And Queen Esther is saying, look, uh, I've got to step up. I've got to do something. I've got to do what I can do to rescue my own people. Now, if you understand in those days, if I was the king and I was sitting up here on my podium and I was sitting in my chair and this was my throne room right here, If you came in that back door without my permission and you was to stand there and if I didn't give you audience, in other words, if you came into this throne room without permission and you entered in here and I did not point at you and say, come forward and talk to me, if I did not recognize you, the soldiers would take you out and they would kill you because you entered the king's throne room without permission. So Esther, being the queen, she enters the king's throne room. Now, you might say, well, what what significance is that? Well, understand this. This king has already done away with one wife because she rebelled against the king. Now, here comes this new wife, Queen Esther, and he's like, this is just Wayne Bickley thinking, okay? This is not in the scriptures. This is Wayne Bickley thinking. He sees Esther come in that back door and go, all right, have I got another wife that's wanting to take over this kingship? You know, if I, if I don't recognize her, I know what's, her, what's coming of her. Let me see what she's got to say. Look what it says in Esther chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. It says, on that day, this is the day that she came into the throne room, uh, king Assyrius give the house of Haman the Jews enemy unto Esther the queen and Mordecai came before the king for Esther had told what he was, was unto her. Th- what this just said is Esther told the king who Mordecai was and that they were kin and basically that Esther was a Jew. And the king took off his ring which he had taken from Haman and he gave it unto Mordecai and Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman listen to this and Esther spoke yet again before the king and fell down at his feet and besought him with tears to put away the mischief of Haman the agonite and his device that he had deceived or devised against the Jews how did it say that Queen Esther came before the king in tears I want you to know it's because of her earnestness It's because of her desire to see a change take place. She approached him and he recognized her broken heart, her desire for her own people. Now to finish the rest of the story, most of you know this. Most of you know this. When the king had signed the decree that you could go out and kill any Jew you wanted to on that day, understand that the Jews were defenseless. Because Esther came before the king and begged for her people The king signed another order, and the other order basically said, Jews, you have the right to take up arms and to protect yourself. Do whatever it takes to save your own lives. Although I've signed an order that says they can come and attack you, I'm now giving you permission to fight back. And anyone that comes and tries to take your life, if you kill them, you can have everything they own. So I want you to know the the people that was going to go take the Jews were a little more disheartened. What helped that make that decision was Esther came with a broken, contrite heart before that king and cried unto him with tears. Now I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a couple of more and uh, and, and then we're gonna come to a conclusion here. In Luke chapter seven, I'm gonna go ahead and read it. I'm gonna give you the reference, but Luke chapter seven, verse thirty-seven. It says, And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the, the meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Do you want to know why she was crying and why she was weeping? They said that Jesus, the Pharisees that were there were kind of ridiculing Jesus for it. They said, if you knew who was washing your feet, you wouldn't even let her touch you. This was a prostitute in the city. This was a lady of the evening. But when she came, she she recognized her great sin. And she recognized who Jesus was and she believed in who Jesus was the son of god she believed that and she had the opportunity she came in with a broken and a contrite heart tears proving her brokenness and contrite heart and wiped jesus's feet with her tears her hair and the anointment and anointed his feet with this ointment i want you to know and jesus told them this parable he says who gets who who loves the The debt or the debtor the most, the one and the conclusion of that parable was the one who was forgiven the most, loved the most. I want you to know this lady with great tears sought after Jesus' forgiveness and Jesus turned to her and says, your sins are forgiven you. Oh my goodness when we have a broken and a contrite heart, when we have a desire to see the lost saved, when it brings us to tears, I want you to know that may just, Mark may be on to something this morning. If we're wanting to see Soda Baptist Church become a a stronger church in faith, it may just be that God's waiting for the tears to fall. That may be all it is. He may just be waiting for, for the tears to fall. He may be wait. He may be waiting for a church that is a broken and has a broken and a contrite heart for the lost and for the community and for us to grow. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that that's what... I, I believe that's what's missing in a lot of churches and what he was saying this morning. Another example is in the book of Ezra. Ezra chapter 10 and verse 1. I want to just read this scripture. It says, Now when Ezra had prayed... And when he had confessed, weeping, and casting himself down before the house of God, there assembled unto him out of the Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children, for the people wept very sore. Now, what was it? Why why was all of this going on in chapter 10? Because let me tell you what happened in chapter 8 you've heard this before. Ezra stood up before the people and they built a wooden pulpit, and Ezra stood on top of that pulpit, and he began to read the word of the law to them. The word of the law and in that day it was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus numbers, and Deuteronomy. First five books of the Bible, they began, He began to read to them what it was that God desired from the people. And when they heard the words of the the God, it broke their heart because they realized that they were not living up to what God desired for them to be. It broke their heart. And they said, oh my goodness, I can't believe. This is what God wants and we're not doing it. It broke their heart. It broke their heart. And they came weeping before the Lord. Tears make a difference. Matthew 26, verse 75. If you'll remember when Peter denied Christ or denied knowing Christ three times, Matthew 26, 75, it says, And Peter remembered the words of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and he wept bitterly. What does that word bitterly mean? Oh, let me tell you. it. I, I, I don't... I can only count a couple of times in my life that I would actually say that I wept bitterly there's been a couple of times when, when I felt like I went so astray that I mean almost uncontrollably wept bitterly because I was so disappointed in a decision that I had made I want you to know I believe Peter was so broken that day because it says that he wept bitterly. Job says this, my friends scorn me but not my eyes poureth out tears unto God. Psalms 39 and 12, David says, hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear unto my cry, hold not thy peace at my tears. David cried out to the Lord in tears. Job cried out to the Lord in tears. Ezra cried out to the Lord in tears. Nehemiah cried out to the Lord in tears. Acts 20, and this is, this is Paul speaking. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears. Again in Acts chapter 20 verse 31, he says, Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one of you night and day with tears. I want you to know Paul was so broken About what he wanted. He desired those people to serve the Lord with the zeal that he had. And he preached and he served them crying and weeping with tears. Psalm 69 verse 10 it says, When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that was to my reproach. I made sackcloth also my garment and I became a proverb to them. Notice what it says here. What does that indicate when a person put on sackcloth? What does that indicate when a person begins to fast? When a person prays? What is that indicating? He is humbling himself. He's humbled himself. That's what he's talking about. And it also came with tears. Jesus on two occasions tells us in Luke chapter 19 and verse 41, it says, and when he came near... He beheld the city, and he wept over it. When he was coming into the city, the Bible says that he came riding into Jerusalem on a colt. They were shouting "Hosanna to the highest!" Uh, hail King David. And they were saying all this. They were throwing their garments. And it says, and then Jesus stopped, and he looked over the city, and he wept. And I believe with all of my heart, the holy that. They, the Heavenly Father, when He saw those tears, He knew His own Son's heart. That He knew that the people were rejecting Him and Jesus just wanted the people to accept Him for what He came for. But He wept. The next some of the time is when John the Baptist has been... No, not John the Baptist. When Lazarus has died. And you know, Jesus comes and it says in John chapter 11, and He said... Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. I believe also that... Uh, someone sent me a little message this week. Mark Lowry quoted this. This is what Mark Lowry said. He said... "Uh." I went to seminary and I was taught a lot of things in seminary. He says, I was taught a lot about in seminary that I never did find in the Bible. And that's why I try my best to make sure that when I'm preaching, I say, listen, this is what Wayne Bickley thinks, okay? And sometimes I will refer to reading between the lines. Listen, that's what Wayne Bickley has added to what I think is this whole situation is going on, all right? But when I read in in Luke chapter 22 and verse 41, and Jesus has gone to the Garden of Gethsemane, and this is right before the, the, the soldiers have come to arrest Him, I'm telling you, the Bible doesn't tell us that Jesus wept that night. But the Bible says He was in great agony. The Bible says that He was in such agony, He was sweating to the point is if it was great drops of blood. I mean, he was just sweating profusely and he's crying out to God and he says, God, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. If there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. He prayed it three times. Listen, I'm not saying it's in the Scripture, but I believe it, it caused him to weep I believe he was at the point of weeping because he was in such agony. I don't believe he was weeping because he didn't want to go to the cross, but he was sure asking if there's any other way. Let this cup pass from me. But I want you to know he was willing. But he was in great agony, the Scripture says. Tears. Tears are something that we need to consider in our life. I would ask you tonight to inventory your tears. There is a scripture in here that I did not I did not read and I wanted to make sure I brought this point out. There it is, Psalms 56 and 8. Do you think God can God is concerned about our tears? Maybe this is something that you've never heard. Psalms 56 and 8. Thou tellest my wanderings. In other words, it's saying God knows everything you're going through. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. I want you to know God knows every single tear that you have shed for the purpose of God. The next statement says, Are they not in thy book? In other words... I want you to know God has a record of every tear that we have shed for ever lost soul. God has a record and He keeps in a bottle all of those tears or keeps a record of all of those tears that we have shed because of our sinfulness and our brokenness towards Him. And and, and we pray and we seek Him and say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. Set my feet back on the path. I want you to know he is fully aware of every single tear that you've ever cried. He's got a record of everything, every broken, contrite heart that we've had. I, this is what the Scripture says, and this is the reason that He says it. The Scripture says that David was a man after God's own heart. Was David a sinful man? Sure he was. He's David done things that no one in this room has ever done. I mean, he was a murderer. he he, he, done, he done things that were ungodly. I, I, I mean, the reason that God didn't let him build the, the temple of God was because it says David was a man of blood. He was a warrior. But the Scripture also tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. And it's because when David sinned against God and it was brought to his attention... David was ready and willing to turn and ask for forgiveness. He was ready and willing to repent, and he did so, and then he turned, and he went back, and he served the Lord. I love what it says in, in Psalms chapter 51. He tells us right after he gets through saying that, that God, the sacrifice unto God is a broken and a contrite heart. He says, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation in other words the salvation that you have given to me and he says and when you do that I will go and tell all men of your righteousness in other words Lord when you restore me I want you to know I'm going to get right back on the path I'm going to get right back to serving you I'm going to do what you've asked and called me to do that's what God's looking for in every single one of us God recognizes the tears that we shed have to be connected to a heart that is pure and the shedding of our tears. I think I brought that point out. I believe it is time. I believe it is time that we need to recognize that God's looking for us to begin to shed tears for the lost in our community. And we need to seek that. One of the things that I think we can do this week I would pray and ask that you would consider this week as our kids are going to camp